everybody, and welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. In this episode, I'm so pleased to be talking about foods that fuel an anti-cancer diet with my sister, Susan Cooper Greeley. Susan's the Senior Vice President and National Director of Wellness Services at Castle Connolly Private Health Partners in New York City. As a registered dietitian nutritionist, co-creator of several television cooking series, and the author of Cooking with Trader Joe's Lighten Up, she has spent her entire career as a medical professional who helps others get and stay well through proper nutrition. Susan, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Maria. I'm thrilled to be here. And you know, I'm talking about my favorite subject. I absolutely do know that. We both understand that food is medicine and you are absolutely passionate about teaching others how to make healthy choices when it comes to what they put in their mouths. So when you work with cancer patients and survivors, where do you start? That's a great question. Well, first of all, when I initially meet with somebody, I like to find out kind of where they are. And I find that so many people have these negative ideas about diet. They have what I call the fear factor instilled in them from a lot of these negative messages, such as sugar causes cancer, meat causes cancer. And so I start there by dispelling any of their food fears that they may have. And I really focus on the positives and the truth about diet and nutrition and the healing power of foods. So it's really educational from the get-go. That is a great way to start with anyone. Now, when it comes to the basics of an anti-cancer diet, what do you tell people? Oh, I love this question, Maria. My philosophy is to eat a healthy whole foods diet that is mostly a plant-based Mediterranean foods diet. I have a tagline that I have been using for many, many years in my profession and also in my book that you had mentioned. I focus on telling people to get good fats, fiber, and phytonutrients every day. And what I find is that when you do focus on those basics, the three Fs as I call them, the rest falls into place. So Susan, I've heard you say many times that people should eat a rainbow of foods. Can you tell us what that means and why is it so important uh, for an anti-cancer diet? Well, it is estimated that 30 to 40% of all cancers globally can be prevented by diet and lifestyle factors alone. And that's where this recommendation to eat a rainbow of foods comes in. It's simply that when you eat a variety of plant foods, whole plant foods on a daily basis, what you're getting is a wide variety of these phytonutrients that I talk so much about. You're getting an increase in fiber. And thankfully, we do have literally thousands of studies that show the benefits of eating more fruits and vegetables alone. It's a very simple message. And that's the most important thing because people do get overwhelmed. They get confused. They get bogged down by negative messages. And I really try to simplify it for most people and give them both the positives to focus on. And I find that if you have people simply work on adding more fruits and vegetables to their diet, in other words, get in more of the good stuff that gives you the good fats, the fiber and the phytonutrients, you automatically displace less healthy calories. In other words, you're displacing unhealthy foods 
by focusing on adding more fruits and vegetables. It really can be that simple. And by doing this, you're getting more of the good fats, fiber, phytonutrients that really are protective against cancer, against tumor cell growth, and have all of these protective antioxidant properties. So I get it. But what is a serving of a fruit or a vegetable and how many should you have each day? That's a great question. People ask, what do I eat? How much? Is there a dose effect? There absolutely is. And there is a reason the recommendation is between five to 10 servings a day. For most adults, it really is seven to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. So that's the combination. It sounds sounds like a lot to most people. And if you don't know what a serving is, then people are at a loss. So in general, if you take a small piece of fruit, that is one serving, or half a cup, simply half a cup of a chopped fresh fruit, that is one serving. If you eat a cup of berries at breakfast, for example, you're getting two servings there. And then an apple mid-morning, you've already started your day with three servings of fruits. And take salads, leafy greens. One cup of leafy greens is a serving. If you can make a large salad with four cups of any leafy greens, right there you have four servings. It isn't as difficult to get if you make an effort. And we will talk more about that, I hope, and with some of these questions on how to work in more, as I say, good stuff every day without it being too difficult, without spending hours in the kitchen chopping and chopping. We want to make it easy for people. Now let's talk about macronutrients and micronutrients, because I've heard you mention both. What are they and why are they important? Okay, nutritionally speaking, this is important for understanding the basics of nutrition, that we have macronutrients, which simply means large nutrients that we need every day. Those are our carbohydrates, fats, and proteins that give us energy. So all food, if it has calories, it gives you energy. And there's a reason we have carbs, fats, and proteins, the macronutrients. We do need a balance of all of these because they also each provide different micronutrients. Now, micronutrients are simply essential nutrients for health. They are your vitamins and minerals, and we need a wide variety of them every day for all normal healthy functioning of human bodies. And so it's really important to, again, eat a variety of foods, including all of those fruits and vegetables in order to get all of these micronutrients that we really do need every day. And many of them act as antioxidants in the body. Now I keep talking about antioxidants. There are other functions though that do support our immune system They help with stem cell rejuvenation. They help scavenge free radicals in the body. Things such as selenium, vitamin C, vitamin E. Getting, again, all of our micronutrients in every single day is extremely important in fighting cancer, tying it back to both fighting and preventing cancer. And so it's really important to understand those basics of nutrition. And I talk about including more good carbohydrates. This is really the crux of it in that people think they need to avoid an entire macronutrient, i.e. fats are bad or carbs are bad. And that's just simply not the case. And it's very, very important for people who are looking at an overall healthy cancer preventative diet to get a balance of the macros from whole fresh foods. 
That makes perfect sense to me. Well, let's talk about specific types of really healthy foods. Let's talk about cruciferous vegetables because I've heard a lot about how great they are in the news. And and I try actually to to incorporate them in my diet. But what do you have to say about cruciferous vegetables? Why are they important to an anti-cancer diet? Cruciferous vegetables are the non-starchy sulfur-containing vegetables that include, it's a family of vegetables that includes broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, kale. These are the most protective against disease, if you ask me. And we do have the studies to back it up. I will say that there are some others in there that we'll mention as well, such as mushrooms. But getting in the leafy greens and these cruciferous vegetables, if not daily, then at least multiple times a week is one of the most powerful and health supporting foods, you know, groups of foods that you can include in your diet, particularly when it comes to preventing cancer. And even if you're recovering from cancer and or looking to prevent, let's say you have had cancer and your focus is on prevention of a recurrence to say, I will never go down that path again, then cruciferous vegetables really do need to be your new faves. So one of the things that I've heard people mention as being very anti-cancer is both garlic and onions. They're delicious, but why are they good for you? Well, garlic and onions, even though they are not as colorful as other vegetables, they are powerhouses of antioxidants as well. In fact, consuming them helps increase the production of one of the strongest antioxidants in the body called glutathione. It is very protective against cancer. And in general, back to the message to eat a variety of fruits and vegetables, the garlic and onions, they're such a simple, tasty way to get in some of these very protective foods. And on any list that you pick up a book on anti-cancer foods, garlic and onion will be there. And there is a reason why. Same with the broccoli, same with your berries. And so finding these foods for yourself to make a short list to include is a very, very easy way, again, back to making it easy, way to incorporate more of these foods without too much effort. It doesn't take a lot to buy the garlic and onions in particular, keep them on hand and add them to your daily recipes. So in a nutshell, how do all of these help prevent and heal cancer? Combined, they play a very important role in the body by helping us break down damaged cells and ridding the body of free radicals. This is a very important function of phytochemicals or these phytonutrients in particular from cruciferous vegetables and the variety of all these plant foods in particular that are mentioned as being part of an anti-cancer diet. In other words, they work to slow the growth of tumors and encourage cancer cells to die off. It is so powerful. And this is probably the most exciting area of nutrition, if you ask me, is the healing power of foods. It really is phenomenal, that power in the plants. And I love to talk about this and get the information out there in a very positive way to people. The body has such powerful healing properties itself. And then when you support it with the right foods, that's where the magic happens. 
And I don't want to overlook the mind-body connection. We have to put it all together. And it is important to understand and believe, which does start in the mind, that these foods do work to support your body and its own health defense systems. And we do have five health defense systems in the body, including our immune system. And it's in our DNA. And this is what makes humans and the healing process so uh, phenomenal, if you ask me. And, you know, one of the things that you've actually said over the years is because the body is, it works so magnificently with the right foods. When you chew your food, you say that's important to do instead of taking a pill, like we're, we're such a pill society, but instead of taking a pill, why go the, take the extra effort and go to the store and get the foods and cook them and eat them? Why, why is that important to do? You don't get the fiber that I talk about. You don't get the same components that naturally are occurring in all of those foods. It really is important. Digestion starts in the mouth when we chew and release a lot of these components that are in the food, the compounds that are in there. It does start in the mouth and the digestion of it is very important. I didn't yet mention, too, the fact that obesity is a big part of cancer and cancer prevention. Obesity, unfortunately, is tied to many cancers. So back to chewing and swallowing and tasting your food and eating high-fiber foods, that is not to be overlooked in that slowing down, enjoying your meals, tasting your food. That actually helps us with weight management bring the mindfulness into how we eat. And again, taking any pill does not replicate that human experience that really is so important in cancer prevention and overall health and well-being to maintain a healthy weight, to eat a diet that makes you feel good and function well. Let's talk about the benefits of mushrooms when it comes to an anti-cancer diet, because most people, I know our father used to say, oh, mushrooms, they're nothing. Are they nothing or are they really, really something? Mushrooms are probably the number one anti-cancer food out there. And yes, unfortunately, we grew up with a negative message and it took years for probably both of us to overcome that or get to the truth of the matter. And that is part of why I do what I do. And, and you know, a lot of us grow up with these biases against food, either for or against, based on what we observed as children. And so that's where having the information about what really is health supportive is so important for cancer and preventing cancer and healing from cancer and mushrooms. We know this. We have hundreds of studies about mushrooms specifically, both in prevention and treatment. I just want to focus on prevention of cancer and how powerful mushrooms are. I can tell you that studies show that by consuming just an eighth to a quarter of a cup of any variety of mushrooms every day has been shown to lower cancer risk by 45%. So take any person out there Add a, simply an eighth to a quarter of a cup of mushrooms to their daily diet, whether it's in a soup, whether it's in a, a mushroom omelet or thrown on your salad, or, you know, I can come up with a variety of ways to consume those yummy mushrooms in any case, or you can blend them into a smoothie, a shake. It really doesn't matter the form. The most important thing is that by including mushrooms daily, a quarter of a cup, 
reduces your cancer risk by 45%. That's just phenomenal. So it really is important for people to understand the power of their food. Let's talk about another something yummy that we a lot of people love is soy. Now, I know my doctors actually told me not to eat soy when I was diagnosed with cancer. Why did they do that? And are they wrong? Well, there was a lot of confusion and the studies out there, I I want to say that it came back to fear. And there was, rather than looking at the science behind it, a leap that was made between the naturally occurring plant estrogens, as they call them, and thinking that they fueled estrogen receptor positive breast cancers. What the studies actually show is that soy, good whole soy foods are protective against breast cancer. They're not recommended when you have existing cancer. However, to prevent a recurrence, they very much are important and protective. So protective against a recurrence of breast cancer specifically in general, soy, good whole healthy soy foods are an important part of an anti-cancer diet. I'm a big proponent. Wonderful to know. And certainly it went against what my doctors told me. But, you know, that's okay. Um, I I have found over the years that, you know, people, doctors, they evolve in their thinking as well. So, you know, we're just, I think as a society, we're moving into a lot of different ways of of eating. And that's really important. And and that's the takeaway from that is you really can have soy. It needs to be the right kind of soy. Am I correct on that? That is correct. So processed soy protein isolate is not the version we're talking about that is rich in the genistine. Genistine is the plant compound in it that is so protective and that's found in whole foods. A lot of these studies and messages come back to the same thing that the whole foods version of most foods are where you're getting all of these powerful protective um, components. One of the things I am including in my diet are legumes. Talk to me about legumes. Why are you such a big proponent of them? Beans are very protective against cancer, and most likely a lot of that is attributed to the fiber. And it's hard to beat the fiber content of beans. That could be lentils. It could be white beans. The edamame, I just mentioned the soybeans, they're so good for you. And I really encourage people to incorporate them into your diet if they're not a standard part of it now. And for most people, trust me, I talked to enough people to tell you that Americans don't eat enough beans or legumes, as you said. What about seeds? Why are they important? What do they contain that's good for you, especially when it comes to cancer? Ah, the balance of good fats. So I I talked about the good fats in our diet, fiber. Okay, flaxseed, this tiny little seed gives you all three of the good Fs that I said, the good fats, the fiber, the phytonutrients. They are so powerful. There are a couple things in flaxseed in particular that I could talk about. Number one, though, is the fact that they are a source of the anti-inflammatory omega-3s, the essential fatty acids, and there are three omega-3s. What they have, though, are two of the the omega-3 fatty acids that we need in the body for healthy functioning for anti-inflammatory benefits. And flax seeds also have something called lignans that we know are protective against breast cancer in particular. Seeds, though, overall, I encourage people to consume because they're so concentrated with their nutrients. They are very, very nutrient dense, little powerful foods. So that could be flax, chia, hemp seeds. 
I also am a big fan of pumpkin seeds that we know are also protective against prostate cancer in particular, sunflower seeds. They provide micronutrients such as selenium and zinc and copper. And back to eating the my simple message of eating a variety, I can't drive that home enough. And if you're eliminating even more meat, or maybe you have fully eliminated meat and you're looking for protein, then you really do need to rely on having the legumes, the beans, as you just said, and seeds are also a very important part of an overall healthy cancer preventive diet as well as nuts. Most people do eat more nuts than seeds. And I'm here to tell you, you need to work in the seeds just as much, if not more, again, for the fiber, the good fats, the phytonutrients. Now let's talk about seasonings because you have turned me on to uh, certain seasonings. One in particular is turmeric. Can you explain why you're a big proponent of adding turmeric to your diet? And how do you use it? How do we incorporate it? Turmeric is one of these anti-inflammatory spices, and it's very well known actually for its anti-inflammatory benefits. Now, the dose is something that is hard to get enough of in a diet. Regardless though, if you start to add turmeric to your diet, it is important to pair it with black pepper, actually increases the absorption of the active compound called curcumin. And curcumin is what makes turmeric so anti-inflammatory. That's where the benefits lie. And when you're using it, do include black pepper and a little bit of fat, actually. So let's say you make a curry or a soup of some kind, including a little bit of, be it um, avocado oil or a little coconut oil, some sort of good fat in there with the black pepper and the spices is important for the absorption. Wonderful to know. Well, let's move on to fruits because I love fruits. They're very colorful. In fact, you could probably eat the rainbow just in fruit alone. Fruits are amazing. First of all, who hasn't heard that an apple a day keeps the doctor away? We have these simple messages. Even as kids, fruits are sweet and tasty and that's the way nature intended them to be. They're so colorful and give us a variety of these phytonutrients that I talk so much about. Who didn't learn as a child too? Oranges are a source of vitamin C. Vitamin C is one of the strongest antioxidants in the body as well. So fruits give us in a low calorie way, which is important to talk about, low calorie, high fiber, high water content foods that satisfy a sweet craving without any added refined sugar. So when I talked about displacing less healthy calories, fruit is such an important way to do it. And it's an easy packable snack. Incorporating fruit into our daily diets, really most people don't eat enough fruit. So when it comes to sugar, I know obviously that table sugar is not what we want to eat. Are there other types of sugars that we should avoid, especially if you're trying to prevent cancer or trying to get over cancer? High fructose corn syrup is a man-made modern day, modern food uh, issue. We'll just call it an issue. It does not belong in the human diet. It is very inflammatory. And if you want to, you know, give absolutes to people, then that's the one added sugar, added form of a refined processed sugar that I would say absolutely avoid. Sounds good. I'm, I'm all for that. And when it comes to eating fresh, I think you also stress eating local and there's a good reason for that. Would you like to explain that? 
I would. I do encourage most people to buy local, visit your farmer's market, know your local growers, find foods that have not traveled around the globe. And number one reason, when they're fresh and local, they do have more of your micronutrients in there. They simply haven't lost a lot of the nutritional value that automatically, once the food is picked, we're assuming it's something out of the field, plant foods, once exposed to air and heat, the antioxidants, the vitamins, they start to break down. And the less time it takes to get from the farm to your table, the better, the more nutrient dense, and they taste better. All of those compounds are also involved in the flavor. So you're more likely to actually enjoy those natural whole fresh foods and understand what does a fresh strawberry taste like? What do summer tomatoes taste like? And that's very important. We have seasonal foods for a reason. I absolutely encourage people to choose fresh local first. And then it's not always possible. We're sometimes in the dead of winter and there's not a lot of variety. So that's where things like frozen foods come into play. And you absolutely can rely on a lot of various frozen fruits and vegetables in particular. And I encourage people to also have that combination of the fresh foods. And sometimes we have to round it out with the frozen. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I personally keep bags of frozen berries on hand at all times. I've even found frozen artichokes, bell peppers, a lot of these foods that I love to use in either smoothies or soups and stews throughout the winter time in order to get in all of those wonderful phytonutrients when I don't have the right variety available to me or if I'm even snowed in. <laughs> Susan, let's wrap this up by talking about the foods that you should not eat. And I know that there are a few that are on the list. What do you tell your patients to absolutely not consume if they're trying to prevent cancer or to get over cancer? That's also a really good question. And I do, as you know, like to keep things positive and talk about balance and moderation. So instead of thinking in absolutes, I think it still is important to say, you know, occasionally I can have X, Y, or Z, such as maybe bacon. <laughs> um, in general, though, we do know that processed cured meats are on the list of foods to avoid. And that's something that, again, just having the knowledge, the information is really important and then make your personal decision on how frequently and the amounts you eat. So that's really the most important is the frequency and amounts. If you grill meats, then don't heat them so that they're charcoal. We know that that's the black char on the meats is carcinogenic as well. So how you cook your foods is a very, very important factor. And uh, what about tea and coffee? Coffees and tea contribute the biggest source of antioxidants in the human diet globally. We are big tea drinkers around the globe and big coffee drinkers. And both of those teas, green teas, black tea, coffee are very high in antioxidants. So when we're talking about that, I'm happy if people keep those in their diet. It's what we do to those beverages that matters. So if you're getting a bottled tea that has the high fructose corn syrup, counterproductive. If you're drinking organic black coffee, absolutely keep that in your diet. Organic matcha green tea, one of the best sources of antioxidants in the human diet. 
for the, what's the compound called EGCG. And not that you need to know that, just know that coffees and teas are very, very healthful. They convey a lot of health benefits. And when I work with somebody, I don't see the need to exclude that. Some people do have trouble metabolizing caffeine. That is a different story. When it comes to cancer prevention, absolutely coffees and teas can be very, very beneficial. Well, I know a lot of people will be happy to hear that one. So Susan, I just want to thank you for taking the time to to sit here and, and go over all of this with me. It's just so valuable to to learn how to incorporate good fresh foods into your diet and, and really what you should focus on. Thank you for having me. You know I love talking about this and I would love to come back. Go enjoy your good fats, fiber, and phytonutrients. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode. We hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at PCBY01, or on Instagram at mariabarnespcby. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2022, Maria Barnes, LLC, all rights reserved.